What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Today on the Alana Enquirer podcast, Michael Tulip, Alana Enquirer basketball analyst, joins us to give his thoughts on Illinois' 87-84 overtime victory over Nebraska. What good did he get out of that game? And of course, what concerns does he have after Illinois' late collapse that made the game go into overtime? Uh, maybe fortunate it even went into overtime with how they played towards the end of that game. Uh, but what Illinois can learn from that close game experience against Tomanaga, Mast, and uh, a Nebraska team that's playing really, really well right now. What he thinks about a really big game in East Lansing as Illinois has rest uh, leading into the game at Michigan State on Saturday, a CBS national game with top five, top six Big Ten implications and potentially implications in the Big Ten race for Illinois. And we also had a fun exercise. We tried to put together the all Big Ten teams midway through the season, and there are some fun conversations to be had with this one. Some interesting conversations to be had with this one, uh, particularly how many Illinois players get on the first team. Is Terrence Shannon a first team member? Where do we put Coleman Hawkins in this group? Uh, but it's fun to kind of go up uh, and down the all Big Ten first, second, and third teams. Uh, and I actually changed Mike's mind. Uh, we kind of talked through some things about some players that he picked, and um, I thought it was a fun exercise. So we'll have that later on in the podcast as well. But coming up next, you hear from Michael Tulip, Alana Enquirer basketball analyst. Factors, delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. So wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals from Factor delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan and veggie, and my favorite guys, Protein Plus. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons to help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. So what are you waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. The great part about Factor, they're two-minute meals. So you fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals. They're ready to heat and eat wherever you are. Plus, they have snacks, smoothies, and more, so you can discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. And we've done the math. Sign up and save. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, upscale options done easily. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. So head to factormeals.com slash Illini50 and use code Illini50 to get 50% off your first box and two free wellness shots per box while subscription is active. That's code Illini50 at factormeals.com slash Illini50 to get 50% off your first box and two free wellness shots per box while subscription is active. 
It's that time of week to catch up with our guy, Michael Toop, Line Enquirer basketball analyst. Just caught up with you a few days ago, Mike, but uh, we had a really entertaining game yet again. Illinois goes into overtime with Nebraska. We will talk about some of the concerns that come from that, but uh, just like the Indiana game, they, they find a way to win a game that you didn't necessarily feel completely great about, Mike, especially after that collapse. So what, what was the good that you saw of them being able to pull out a win there? Well, I think we've talked about this team's experience, how old they are. And in those types of moments, I don't think that they get rattled. Now, there's certain things that I think contribute to to blowing a lead like that. The good was your offensive rebounding. Because I'm not sure you win that game in regulation if you don't rebound like they did. And, and I think between the last four minutes of regulation and the overtime, I think you had, I'll call it six offensive rebounds. I think there were four, but you you drew two fouls on crashing the glass. Hawkins got one, I think with a minute 55 left in, in uh, regulation, and then Garrier had one to start off the overtime. And so the reason why that was so important and needed to have those extended offensive possessions because you were not getting stops. I think you the, the less possessions that Nebraska had, the better, because they were scoring virtually every time down, especially in the overtime. So the fact that you were able to compete like that on the glass with some ugly defensive possessions, some ugly offensive possessions, when you had a 40-second offensive possession, like game clock, after Bryce Williams hit that three to make it 72-65, you go from, I think, 312 to 233 because of your offensive rebounds. Now, if you come down, get a quick shot up, they come down, like they were scoring every time down. So you needed to have as much time on your side as possible. And they did that with their rebounding. All right. The flip side of that, what the hell happened in that final three minutes, Mike? Um, both offensively and defensively, as you said, they couldn't stop anybody and they couldn't put any points on the board. Well, to me, a lot of the talk after the game was offensively and and I think the defensive side of the ball was just as big of a culprit if not more in my opinion because look at the Bryce Williams three you have rink mask rolling to the rim Quincy Garrier with the ball coming towards him is tagging in that should be the backside guy not the not the guy that has the ball dribbling towards him so he's guarding uh he's guarding alec i think in the corner they go into a dribble handoff with williams now it's garrier on the switch with hawkins and garrier's tagging in the paint and so when he's trying to recover out to williams to switch up he can't get there in time gives up a three so that was the first possession and then you know, you go down and then you have a 40-second offensive possession like I just talked about where you're getting two offensive rebounds. Now you settled for two threes. If when you Damas got a point-blank layup that he missed. Mm -hmm. There was some contact, but point-blank layup that he missed. So you come down this next time, they get a rebound. Mass outlets it to, to Tominaga. You have Tominaga dribbling up the court. Rogers is kind of riding him up the, up the side. And Damask and Garrier are hugging their man on the weak side. Garrier doesn't even see him. I mean, Tony Naga dribbles right down the paint, and Garrier is, I think, had still had Alec and was kind of just just 
looking the other way, following him out to the perimeter where you got to be in those gaps and build walls so that Tomiaga can't, can't come down Broadway for a layup. So right there, you're talking about two mistakes. And then, you know, you have, you have the foul on mass on the next possession. And then Terrence Shannon has a turnover that leads to a Bryce Williams run out for a foul that's 72 71. And then the inbounding as well. So there was a lot there. Um, I think for the on the offensive side of the ball, you want to do attack matchups. At one point, Nebraska showed they were switching one through five. So you said, hey, Rodgers, go set a screen for Damas. Let's get Damask on Mast and let's go to work. Damas doesn't really make him pay. He's in the middle of the floor. They're gapped up. He swings it to Shannon, who takes a three. And then the next time down, they want to run it again because they think that, that Nebraska is switching one through five. And then, you know, they just keep their matchups. Mast just kind of skinnies up, gets under. And then Gary is able to get under and, and level off Shannon. So, you know, the offense looked a little bit disjointed and stagnant. Mm-hmm. But the defense, in my opinion, you're not in that position to go into overtime if you're getting stops. If you get yeah. stops, that game's over. And, and they didn't do that. It also felt like there were some moments in the second half, Mike. They, they go on the big runs, 47-40. And you felt like you had some chances to, to really, you know, step on the throats and kudos to Tominaga and, and Mass for, for making some big shots. Uh, but then there was 61-55 and I think he missed six or seven shots in a row and it's like, you know, you're able to get some stops to, to kind of keep that lead but I felt like those were some big moments too where they just didn't capitalize for, for whatever reason. But for most of that first I don't know, 36 minutes, Mike, I, I felt like what they were doing, their process was pretty good. Tomonaga and Mass had, had pretty good games, and Illinois didn't make shots. Um, so the first 36 minutes, I wasn't too bothered, and I felt like at some point they were going to pull away, and they did. They just weren't able to kind of step on Nebraska's throat there at the end. No, and that's why you got to be careful with a team like Nebraska, because four minutes is a lot of time. Three, four, three and a half minutes is a lot of time when you have Tominaga, when you have Mass that can step out, Williams that can step out. Like that lead can evaporate in an instant. And and we talked about it before the Nebraska game, how combustible this team is offensively and how even when you're up 72-62, you know, the mindset can't be, hey, we have breathing room. The mindset has to be, can we push this to 16? Can we get like one more stop? Because I tr- if you got one more stop, you won in regulation. Yep. And that was it. And they just, just dialing in and locking in um, ends that game. But no, I, I think on the whole, I'm talking about the concerns you know we're talking about what happened the collapse at the end of of the yeah. of regulation uh but w- where i'm coming from i think you got to be happy to get that win and get out of there with a win that you and know, indiana talk- right like indiana and nebraska yeah. those felt like well, they should have been losses and they weren't sure no i mean we'll, <laughs> we'll talk about the big 10 race but these are the ones you just got to find a way pull them out now they're definitely making it more difficult on, on themselves with the with the way things are are closing out um but you have to be happy to come out of here with a win where i'm coming from talking about this is more of a macro level when you talk about going i talk about that transition defense with gary you can't do that at michigan state All right michigan state's going to be, be coming right at you in transition um you know not being able to locate shooters at times fighting through like all that stuff matters big picture if you want to win a Big Ten championship if you want to make some noise in March. Like you, you can't, especially late game. You can't have, um, you know, you can't because I will say you get a stop, right? How about the stop that you get in overtime? Because even overtime started, and there were two straight possessions that Nebraska scored, 
And then it wasn't until you got a stop that Coleman Hawkins is able to run out and push the push the break, attack mask, get into the paint, kick out to Gary A3. Now you go up four. That's what I'm talking about. If you get one of those stops at the under four, then maybe you can get out and, and, and allow yourself to get easier baskets yep. as opposed to having to have to break down in the half court against a set defense that that clogs gaps like that. That's really hard. Is this just a cap tip to, to Kese Tominaga breaking out of a slump? I mean, what, what could Illinois have done better against him? Uh, he's incredible. I, I think uh, his he's learned throughout his basketball career how quickly he has to get his shot off. And I think that surprises some guys where you feel like you're in his airspace, but it's 0.1 seconds he can get that thing off and you're just not close enough. I mean, he had one in overtime where Ty Rogers was literally, I mean, draped all over him and hit it. But we talked about this a little bit last year where when you have a, a lineup with the amount of size that, you know, that, uh, that Illinois has, you know, when you put Terrence Shannon on a opposing point guard, I think it really, really hurts those teams because now you can't quite get to the spots that you want, start offense. It just, it spreads you out like that. That, that is why Terrence is such a weapon defensively, but Guys that are six six, guys that are six seven, even if they have foot speed, it's really hard to navigate off ball screens. We saw that last year at Penn State. You played three games against Penn State, Andrew Funk hit 14 threes. Mm-hmm. And and you know, so that that is kind of what you have to live with. That's why you have to be completely tuned in to helping when to help, when not to help. And you know, you can't just assume that because you're bigger, you can close out and recover on those type of guys they just need they just have those quick triggers so like the the rules on on shooters if you don't want to like a tominaga or funk to get loose there's three things there's three things that you have to keep in mind right off ball actions transition defense and when there is an offensive rebound you better find where the hell that guy's at because mm-hmm. those are the easiest ones the offense rebound kickouts so just moving forward I'm, Illinois fortunate because there just aren't many Tominaga and Funks running around. Right. Um, so I, I don't think it's like a problem down the road. I just think when you play teams like these, you got to do your best to try to limit those guys. Yeah. Um, who would be your star of the game for Illinois? I mean, Coleman, 27-5 and five with a couple steals. Ty Rogers, you know, 14 rebounds, eight points, three steals, two blocks. Who is your star of the game there for Illinois? It's. I think you're splitting hairs, but yeah. I, I would say Ty Rogers, and the and the reason I say it is, you see what his activity and aggression leads to for this team. I mean, this year, when he has two or more offensive rebounds in a game, they're twelve and two. Hmm. When he scores eight or more points, he, they're nine and zero. Oh. So, like he's just he adds another wrinkle to this team, and he's doing exactly what he's asked to do and some and that's why it's so fun to watch him because of his activity because of what he values and then if you listen to fred hoiberg after the game he's sitting up there like he's a hard tough guard Mm -hmm. because you know if you play off of him now you got one of the best offensive rebounders in the league with a free run to the basket but if you play on him you leave more space for these other players so you know it's i i like the way they we talked about this but I, i like the way that they've put him at the five and had him play out those short rolls. What a pass he made to Coleman Hawkins 
on that short roll where it almost looked like a, a design play where he comes out of a short roll and immediately catches it, knows they're going to have that low hold on the bottom. Tominaga's up, skip it right to the corner because that's where the open man's going to be. Hawkins hits a three. Like, he just did so much in that game. And uh, and Coleman did too. Coleman, yeah. you know, his his activity as well. I mean, we've just seen when he's – when he's dialed in, when he's confident, when he's not hesitating, catch and shoot, like th- both those guys are are a big reason for uh, Illinois' success this year, and they, and they were, you know, they're a big reason why Illinois won that game the other night. It's gonna be fun to see. We're gonna do an All Big Ten team, which is really difficult exercise midway through the year here. Uh, it's gonna be fun to see where we put Coleman here. But over the last fourteen games. He's averaging 14.2 points on 42% from three, seven rebounds, and 2.2 steals per game. Um, it's just been fun, man. I, I know we talk about him all the time, but it's, it's been fun to see this rise by him. No, it's, it's been really cool to see. I think anytime you have a guy that comes back, there's just a different psychology to it. You've gone to the combine, you had some interviews, you, know, you, you start to have a little bit more self-assurance when you come back to the college game. And I think we we you know for the most part we've seen that with Terrence this year as well where you kind of come back, you know who you are and and again, I've gone back and watched that Marquette game. I've gone back and watched games earlier in the year. Coleman was hurt, man. Yeah. He couldn't move he couldn't move it like he is now defensively. Um things were a little bit I think off-kilter off offensively, but the more that they've started to figure out like I think the the booty ball and back downs and stuff have really helped Coleman because now you can get more of a sense of where your shots are coming from. Like for him, it's it's it, it can kind of come from anywhere. But how many times have you seen Coleman go into a step back three? It's all I was going to say. It's all step into threes. It's all in rhythm. Whether it's the corner, top of the key, those seem to be his two spots. They're all step into threes. Yeah, I mean percentages are predicated on level of difficulty. Now, not everyone can be Steph Curry or just, you know, come hell or high water, he's going to shoot 40, 40% plus, no matter what the degree of difficulty is. But for for most guys, the more catch-and-shoot opportunities you get, Quincy Garrier, like we've seen, and the more rhythm that you have with where those shots are coming, how many are coming per game, you can start to up the percentages. And we, we like, it's never looked broken for Coleman. Yeah, It's just kind of dialing him in and uh, having him focus on, hey, what are the good ones? And if I shoot good ones, I'll, I'll make a high percentage. And that's just the three-point shooting. I mean, everything else he does, we've, we've talked a ton about. And um, he's having a heck of a year, man. Yeah. Kind of goes into the Terrence Shannon conversation. There were some great moments. I mean, two huge threes to get that 10-point lead in the second half. I thought he did a really nice job chasing Tomonaga and fighting through screens, over screens. Uh, but Tomonaga just uh, had, had a ridiculous day. Uh, but then th- there was some decision-making, I thought, late. seems like he you know, took some out-of-rhythm ones. Um, what did you think of, of Terrence Shannon? What's his next step? Like, Does he feel in rhythm yet to you? Not entirely. I think – he has another gear, both offensively and defensively. What's been really interesting about since he's come back is if you want to talk about teams that play like crazy, shrink the floor, gap help, he's played four out of the five since he's come mm-hmm. back. I mean, it's Rutgers, it's Nebraska, it's Northwestern, and it's Indiana. Like all of them are just shrink the floor. We're not giving you driving gaps. And you take that away from a guy like Terrence Shannon that likes to get downhill, that likes to get to the paint. Now, there, I thought there were a couple opportunities where he he could have. Um, he made the right play in, in overtime. He got you know a rip drive going down 
with his left hand, or actually this might have been the end of regulation, um, or I think about a minute and a half left. Left hand driving down the middle of the paint. Tommy Naga's the helper. He's still got Gary on his hip. I, I thought he could have gone up with his left, but he makes a good play with Tommy Naga helping and low holding for a driving kick to the corner to Gary. Gary just misses it, but um, I think he's still getting his feet under him. Ohio State was a good was a step in the right direction for sure, but I think as as time goes on, that's the hope, right? Mm-hmm. As, as February will be really important, try to get him completely back on track so that you can make a run at this thing in March. All right, huge matchup at Michigan State. A quad one opportunity, and that's not going anywhere. Michigan State is firmly a quad one opportunity. National television here, Mike, but most importantly, uh, to stay you know, in this race with Purdue, uh, with Wisconsin. Uh, this is this is where Big Ten championships runs uh, can happen. Uh, but they haven't won a, a marquee uh, game here in a while. So what do you think of this matchup after Illinois narrowly escaped uh, against Michigan State at home with a 71-68 victory last month? Yeah, I think you look at what Michigan State's done since that game. They're 5-1 they're and one since that game with their lone, wa- lone loss coming uh, in Madison. And I-, I think this is one of your toughest games of the year. I, I really do. With the way that Michigan State's playing, with what's at stake coming into the back half of this this Big Ten schedule, going to East Lansing on an afternoon on CBS, like place is going to be absolutely rocking. I mean, you got you you cannot bring your A minus game yeah. for this game. Truly, I, I I think this is the this is a game where you want to see guys kind of put it together on on both ends, and uh, not only are they are they five and one in this stretch over these last six games? But Malik Hall, man, seven straight games in, in double figures. And we, we, we've talked about it for years, just his potential. And outside of Walker and Hogard and, and Joey Hauser last year is just, Hey, if they can find something with him, if he can be aggressive, then he takes that Michigan state team to another level. And that's exactly what he's done. But you go into the Breslin, it's, I mean, they play Michigan State basketball yeah. there. I mean, they haven't. They, their last loss there was was December fifth to to Wisconsin. They, you know, they they guard at the Breslin. They they run their their offense with their floppy actions and their ball screens. And then you know what they do? They they run. Yeah. They they run faster in the Breslin. They get out in transition, and that's to me that is the area of this game for for Illinois because it's a it's a it's an area where I've seen like a. A little bit of a slide since the beginning of the year. Locating guys in transition, getting all the way back in transition. You let them get easy buckets. It's you know it, it could be a tough one up in East Lansing. But on the flip side of that, you come out of there. You come out of there with a win. You're talking about a quad one win. Continue to bolster your resume, and uh, you know you need all these as you as you make a kind of the stretch run. Yeah, after their four and five start, start Mike, they're ten and three. Their three losses are all on the road. Northwestern, Illinois, Wisconsin, all really good teams. They beat Baylor. They beat Indiana State at home. Um, So Illinois is certainly one of their better opponents. They'll play uh, since then at home. But, uh, man, you said, like, what what are some of your keys? You said it kind of transition defense there. What else is going to be key against the Spartans team from what you've seen from them lately? I think you have to be good in ball screens with your communication. Like, you can't be busting – switches and then having Tyson Walker get going. You can't be busting switches and have Jaden Aiken start making threes. You got to try to keep Hogarth out of the paint. 
Um, and then just like I think Ty Rogers did in the first matchup, I, w- I want to see how they guard him this time because that did not work for them yeah. the first time around, whether it was Sissoko, Cooper. Uh, he just – he really hurt them. So maybe they try to play him more straight up, try to keep him off the glass as well, and maybe that opens things up for for a Terrence Shannon for other guys to to find some crevices and find some some driving lanes. So yeah. that's that's really what I'm looking for. But like I said, there's no question this is a this is a tough challenge. Mike is Purdue catchable in the Big Ten? Can you catch them? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Do I think it's likely? No. Um, and the issue is you're a game and a half back right now. Right. And, and if, in a lot of these, these races, these big 10 races come down to schedule and for, for, uh, for Purdue, you're talking about a team that from this point on has six home games mm-hmm. and Illinois has five road games. So that, that already doesn't, doesn't work in your favor. Now, is it possible? Yes, it's possible. But I mean, you're talking about in these last what nine games of the conference schedule. You got to be you got to be near perfect. And can I tell you their next five games? Go home, ahead. Home against Indiana. Home against Minnesota. At Ohio State. Home against Rutgers. At Michigan. Right. So like their last three. Home against Michigan State. They're still home. At Illinois. Home against Wisconsin. Like that. They've they've done their difficult work in the Big Ten so far. Yeah, no, they have, and and they're playing really well, yeah. and that's that's that shouldn't be something for for Illinois fans or people that watch Illinois, where it's like a a failure if you don't catch Purdue or if you drop one of these next five games that you know season's over because you can. I mean, this is Purdue is one of probably top two, if not the best team in college basketball. Yeah, how far we've come, how far Illinois has come as a program if that's a failure? In some right, 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 and and, and you, they have just like when Kofi was here. They have the biggest guardrail in in college basketball. I mean, every single game, you're not worried about man, it's Purdue. Maybe they'll have an off shooting night. Maybe they'll, you know, maybe they'll turn it over a little bit. All that stuff doesn't really matter because of what, you know, the the threat that he poses both offensively and defensively. But I'll say this: go, you know, go back to the game and a half. I think is really important to note. You know, it'd be one thing if you were dead even right now. It'd be one thing if the schedules were, were relatively the same. Um, some of that stuff works in Illinois' favor, but go back to 2022 when Illinois clinched a share of the Big Ten. After 11 games, they were up mm-hmm. on Wisconsin. So when you're up, it's a little bit different to where you have a little bit of breathing room. You can have a misstep or two. If Illinois wants to do this, they, I mean, they quite literally they cannot have a misstep. Yeah, and that's I think that's just a lot to ask with with you know some of the some of the teams that are still left on their schedule you still got to go to maryland like there's there's a lot of a lot of tough ones there um but but yeah then even even going back to 22 you you had a game up and then even by the end of it you needed nebraska and alonzo verge to go into madison and get that win for you to have a chance so if you're the team that's sitting there saying we need this 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 and this that's that makes the chances a lot less likely. Whereas Purdue, a game and a half up, they're like, hey, we, we legitimately tr- control our own destiny and can go and win another Big Ten regular season title. So yeah. um, I hope for the sake of that matchup in Champaign that there is some sort of, you know, I, I guess um, consequences from that game right. in terms of the Big Ten race. But um, 
I think the Big Ten race has to be on your mind if you're Illinois, but it's also all those other little things. Yeah. You know, closing out games, transition deep, because that then those wins will become a byproduct of that. But if you don't focus on those things, then then there's really no point in talking about a Big Ten race. Yeah, I agree with you. You got a lot of work to do uh, before you get into there. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. All right, Mike, let's try and do this exercise. We're, we're more than midway through the Big Ten season, and uh, we got to start thinking about the all-Big Ten teams. I, I just think it's a, a great conversation, kind of gets us up to speed and gets everyone else up to speed about you know where we're at here. So let's, let's try this. Let's try to project it, uh, and let's start with the all-Big Ten first team. How many no-doubters, like guys that you have no doubt are going to be first team, do you have right now? No doubt first teams? Yes. Like, they'll probably be unanimous? Well, just guys that, um, barring an injury, are definitely going to be on there. Because I, I don't know if... I mean, Jameer Young should be unanimous, but there's always a random voter. Who, who if you might. want to tell, like, the, the the I think there's two guys that'll be unanimous. Okay. So I'll... I'll I'll start there. I don't, know, I don't know if you want. I don't know if you want to ping pong this or how you want to. No, do you it. go ahead. You go ahead, and I'll I'll just weigh in with what you have to say. My first team. Yeah. All right. So, uh, I'll break some news here. We'll go. Uh, we'll go with Zach Eady. Zach Eady. That's a good first. Pick. Um, and then the other unanimous guy that I think will be on there is Boo Booey. I agree with that. I think he will be, no doubt, unanimous. Um, I I, I have Marcus Damask on on my. Is he your third guy, or is this I... just? You're just you're doing your team. I think the, I just had those two unanimous, and then you can throw these next three in really okay. any, any order you want. Because um, if I had to do Big Ten Player of the Year vote right now, yeah. we get three picks. I know his team's not very good, but I would probably have Jameer Young three. He's yeah, he was on there for me. Okay, he's he was my next guy. He was the next guy on my list. Sure. And then this is this is kind of where I struggled a little bit. Um, this is difficult. It is circumstance, because, right? I think there's probably I got three guys. Three guys. I think it's I think it's AJ Store, Terrence Shannon, and Tyson Walker. Okay. Are are my three. Now I so I went with AJ Store. I don't blame you. I, I think and, and the reason for it is I just think with the the Big Ten games that Terrence has missed, and then like the Big Ten games where he was trying to like find himself afterwards, is you know I, I think hurts his case a little bit. Um, 
Now, if this were mid-December, this would be he would be the third unanimous guy. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, you could. Like, here's the thing: like, we aren't told whether to weigh Big Ten play more, but I do think it should. I, I think Big Ten play that's should. How I look Big Ten play should matter more. Like, I put more weight into the conference stats, which is why I like that you have Marcus Damask on the first team. To yeah. be honest with you, and it's hard to keep off a Wisconsin guy. I agree with that, but Terrence has missed four or five Big Ten games, and he hasn't been great during Big Ten play. He's been good. He's still in my conversation in, in, in that first team, but I don't blame you for not having him on there. That, that's going to be my toughest call right now is this fourth and fifth spots between Domask, Store, Walker, Shannon. I think you can get Braden Smith into the conversation as well, but, um, yeah, I, I don't blame you putting Store. I would probably edge Store right now. Yeah, yeah. And and I, but again, these those two guys, like I think Terrence could make a run at this. Oh yeah, I think AJ Store. If you watch that Purdue game, he was sitting on the bench at the end of the game. He took a he took a bad shot. Guard took him out, and they rolled with. I think they rolled with Blackwell at the at the end of that game. So these could be guys who go in two separate directions to finish out the season. And I could totally see Terrence finding his way into the first team with with Marcus. Yeah. Um, now, whether or not the voting shakes out that way, I, I don't know. But um, just with all things considered, with with Store bringing Wisconsin, being a big reason why Wisconsin's where they're at right now, um, I, I I gave the nod to Store. But you can put Terrence right at the top for for second team for me. If I had to guess where the rest of my media brethren would pick, I think Edie Bowie, Jameer Young are no doubters. I think yep. Walker would be on this first team, and I think Store would be on this first team. I don't yep. know if an Illinois guy is on the first team right now because I just don't know if he like Domask's non-conference numbers drag him down a little bit. So when you look at the leaderboard, it's not as much. But then you go to conference play, and he's fourth in the Big it's Ten insane. in scoring. He's tenth in assists. Uh, he's been huge for Illinois. Um, and then Shannon, I, I think people are going to be uncomfortable voting for him. To be honest with you, so I think that's going to play, and he hasn't played. Uh, nearly to his All-American level that he was before this. So uh, can we start the t- second team with Terrence Shannon, though? We can. And and at my last point on Damask yeah. is I could totally see a situation where he is second-team media, first-team coaches. Yeah. Because a lot of times with coaches, when they when they do these, it's you're, you're thinking back to how a player made you feel in prep. And who else gets the biggest boost because of that? Well, who are like, – I mean, Zach Eady gets a, gets 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 a quote unquote like, boost. But... Does, does Braden? Does Coleman? Are those other guys that coaches might be more likely to vote for? Higher? I think Terrence, yeah, is just is another guy that that I think belongs on there. Um, you know, I, I Bowie I, again is yeah. is up there. But my so my second team. I had Terrence. I, I had Braden Smith. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about him first team, to be honest. Yeah. I, 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 he was another guy. You could throw him in there with with Walker, Tyson Walker, who's on my on my second team. Um, you, re- you ready for this one? Okay. Yeah, this is where it gets interesting because I think that in top eight, no doubt. No, like th- that top eight yeah. for me was easy. It's just like, where are you putting the guy ranked four through seven or eight? Like that, yeah. that was the discussion right there. This is where I think – the next 12 guys to me is just pick your flavor. I think there's like 12 or 13 guys yeah. and you just pick your flavor here. So go for it. Brooks Barnheiser. 
He was in conversation for me. I love him. Yeah, I love. Him. And 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 I think what people don't understand about about Brooks is obviously you know he's he's been good offensively this year. He's been good defensively as well. And I, I saw something the other day where fourteen points, six rebounds, two assists, two steals, like hasn't been done since oh five oh six in in the Big Ten Conference, which is which is pretty incredible considering the talent that's that's come through this conference so i have i have brooks on there and then can, can I, I want to share a story some of the northwestern please. students were sitting there going does northwestern get two first team all big 10 guys and i said i, I turned to him and i go i can promise you as an all big 10 voter he won't be first team but he's on he's going to be in the second or third team yeah. and i had him as my first third team guy so i i was really debating who i put second or third team here and uh, I got two other guys I had under consideration, but I'll let you go first. Oh, God, this is where it gets really tough, man. And I, I usually – and it, this is based off of, I think, the, the surprising year that they're having. And I think he's been a – this guy has kind of been a victim of being on bad teams okay. throughout his, his, Big Ten, his Big Ten career. But I got, Dar- I got Dawson Garcia on the second team. Don't hate it. He's a good Which, player. Because he's not, he's no longer the great stats, bad team guy, right? Like it's it's he's, a, it's he's a mediocre great team. stats, surprisingly competitive, yeah, competitive team guy. All right, do you want to know who I had over Brooks and Dawson? Yes, I had Rink Mast. I I love his game. I love yeah. the impact he's made on that team because we knew Wilcher, Tobinaga, these guys can go off, but they needed. Someone to give him more space, someone to really attack the basket. Like Derek Walker was a really good player. He was not this kind of offensive hub that Rink Mast has become. And and Nebraska's they're probably gonna finish as a top half yeah. Big Ten team. And while Tomanaga and Wilcher are kind of the, the flamethrowers, Mast is just that consistent piece. He's the leading rebounder, leading assist guy, leading scorer. Um so I had Rink Mast uh, on my second team. Yeah, I, he was that was that was really the the guy I was debating there because I had mass on my third team. Um, the other guy, and, and maybe it's my bias showing, I, I had Coleman. Yeah. Like th- that was kind of the next tier. I had Barnheiser, you know, Garcia was one of my top third team guys, Rink Mast and, and Coleman. Uh, I just love what all those guys bring to their team. Yeah. I had Coleman. I really, it was between all three of them. Um, so you got Coleman third team? Yeah. I have Coleman. I have Coleman third team. All right. So I think we got this tiered similarly. And now, now that I'm now that I'm looking at it on on paper, I I do not like it. <laughs> no, which one? I don't. I, I do not like Garcia's second team. All right, so let's. You can switch. We have we haven't submitted our votes yet. Who would you put in there? I just think Rink and Coleman are. I know. I think I'd rather have those guys on my team. Yeah, but I agree. Dawson's a good player. It's like I, I honestly I, I don't want to. You almost feel like there's bias involved, but I do think it would be super objective. Like let's let's put Coleman on the second team. I think he's. Been, I think coaches uh, would agree been, with you. Yeah, he's been that good defensively and yeah. and offensively. So All I right, feel so maybe, maybe I'll I, be able to sleep tonight. Yeah. Now I'll be able to sleep tonight. Yeah, I was able um, to convince you there a little bit. This. Uh, the, <laughs> Who was who was your third third team guy? Okay, 
there's just a bunch of dudes that I'd feel comfortable putting in here. I am really anti great stat, bad team guy. So kudos yeah, to Kanye. Kudos to Kanye Clary for for a great season, but I don't yeah. think I don't think he's better than Tony Perkins. Um, Lance Jones has been so clutch. I've considered him. Like I would probably rather have Ace Baldwin on my team than Kanye Clary. Um, you can make arguments, or whatever. But um, if I had to definitely put a guy here, the Indiana Posts are definitely in the conversation. Renew yeah. and Ware. Uh, so I had Renew. Khalil Ware and Tony Perkins running out my team. Okay. So I had one of those three. I chose between the Indiana Bigs, which probably isn't fair, but yeah. I just do the seat. I just feel like the, the season that they're having, it just, I agree. It was hard for me to do that. Like, that's why I'd love to put Crowell over one of those guys. Yeah. And, and Wisconsin is, I think their, their balance is going to end up hurting them. It, it always does. <laughs> I don't even mention Tyler Wall in this conversation. Yeah, I mean Wall and Crawl, like you know, Klesmit's been really good too. Yeah. Um, but so I, I had, uh, I had Lance Jones. Don't blame thirteen. You. Don't blame. I just think, I just think when you look at, how about the Missouri Valley here, Mike? Yeah. When you look at, <laughs> when you look at the, what Purdue was last year, which is very similar to this year, I just think Lance Jones, in addition to Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer taking a step forward, like he just adds another dynamic yep. to that team and his ability to shoot the ball and um, defend at a high level and play make when he needs to. I I think he's he's definitely on there for me. So three of our thirteen all Big Ten guys are Missouri Valley transfers. Domask, your first team, Mast. Uh, from Nebraska and Lance Jones from Purdue, and ben, and Ben Creaky's in their conversation too. Like I don't have him on here. Creaky didn't he didn't make my all Big Ten teams, but um, so who are your who are your last two? So I I had renew. I'd probably would you go renew over where? I went renew over where just just because yeah. I, I had him first listed. Where's missed a little bit of time. Yeah. I don't know, which feel, feels crazy because Ware is probably going to be like a first-round pick this year. Correct, um, correct. But He's a really good player. He's, he's definitely a like top-five talented player in the Big Ten. I would have Tony Perkins. I love his game. Yeah, so it was between it was between Perkins and one other guy for me. Mm. And I, I don't know, it's like – it's hard for me to sit there and, and say that Indiana – doesn't deserve to have two guys on the all big 10 team. Yeah. And then go and put two guys from Minnesota on the all big 10 team. Cause I just think again, with Minnesota, like you look at like how much Elijah Hawkins has opened things up for them. That is a name I did not have on there, but he's been, he's been a great addition. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's, 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 he's been awesome. He's, he's fifth in the country in assist rate and, um, and you can see the difference, like how that doesn't put as much strain on Dawson Garcia. And, you know, he's, he's just opened up a lot for that team. So I, I put Hawkins on my, on my third team. Right. Um, I don't mind it. I don't, I'm not like hundred percent sure how I feel about that. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, there are definitely like, 
could Bruce Thornton be on, be the last guy on the third team? His team is not good. Could Kamwa be on it? Like it's just hard with with where those teams are at. I agree. I I, I, I do reward players that are on winning teams. Um, the one thing I would make the argument for Tony Perkins in the same way that I would for Marcus Domask during Big Ten play. Perkins is averaging eighteen point six a game. That's sixth in the Big Ten during that time. Um, yeah. you Ware know, is averaging sixteen too. So I, I would probably argue those guys over Hawkins, but yeah. Uh, and, and and I always got a chance still here, but that's not a great team either. So it's to leave off a Crowl or a Klesmet, Tomanaga. <laughs> he just hasn't been as consistent as last year. Like Tomanaga, yeah, I think, I think Tomanaga t- was t- a third teamer for t- me. T- take Elijah out. Take Elijah out. All right. Because I think, because let's make the case here, right? Yeah. Whether it's a guy like Klesmet, Tominaga, who else did you just mention? Perkins, where? Perkins. Like, I just, I almost feel like. You know, if Blake Hall was playing this way the entire season. Yeah, okay, no kidding. <laughs> like, that's that's why, you know, to me, it feels, it almost feels weird with some of these teams. I mean, Purdue has three guys. Illinois has three guys. It's very Wisconsin for them to kind of only have one. And yeah. the one guy is like the guy that came in not from Wisconsin. Right. Um, but, you know, Klesman, I think in Big I think in Big Ten play, what – because I'm, I'm trying to think where Klesman is at. Um, Here's the thing. Wisconsin has one guy in the top 25 of scoring during conference play, and that's A.J. Storr. Yeah, because he's – Because it's a bunch of guys around 10. That guy's averaging 10 points per game. So, I'll say this. I think – I think I want to go Klesman. And the reason why is as I – you know, watching him in that Nebraska game at Nebraska, like he almost single-handedly won them that game with like his own 11-0 run. I mean, he is – He's averaging 12.5 points per game, 48% from three during Big Ten play. Percent from two. And I, like that is very, very high level. Um, so I, I – I, Don't hate it. I think it's I think it's between Klesman and and Perkins probably right. Yeah, I think where I, I think where will definitely be on one of these teams. Where's gonna where will probably be on one too. That's just him missing a few games and then the game he comes back they get dog walked at, against Penn State at home. It's just yeah. I think where I will definitely could be on the second team media. Like <laughs> over Hawkins, oh, over Mass, over Barnheiser, like easily. maybe even over Braden Smith. Just yeah. because of the numbers, how his NBA pedigree, um, but I I think the people that made the biggest impact on the Big Ten this season are probably on this list. I agree. So I feel good about. I agree. It. I mean, how many transfers do we have on this list? Let's see: Klesmet, Jones, Garcia, Mass, Walker, Shannon, Store, Young, Damask. It's a decent amount of transfers. And you know who's good at transfers? Brad Underwood. That is a fact. <laughs> he's pretty. He's pretty good at this transfer thing. All right. What, what do we learn from that, Mike? What What, what do we learn from? Right, that? We learned that it's really hard, and you could see. I mean, I, I threw. I kind of threw it together before we we hopped on here, and I think if I get, I was just like, Minnesota is such a, like a. I know we still have, they still have ten more games of conference yeah, yeah. play, and they're a 
they're a pretty good story this year considering how hot Ben Johnson's seat was coming in and you know Hawkins has done a lot for their offense for sure but um but I do that's that's why we have you because you can talk me through some of it because I like the more that I saw it on the Excel spreadsheet the less I liked it for some of those guys the one thing I would say about the Big Ten there were some years voting for this where I struggled to find a 13th 14th 15th guy yeah. Um, so I, I don't struggle for that. Like I, I do think the depth of talent, probably due to the portal, uh, has, has really, really helped here. Um, my biggest storylines moving forward is does Terrence Shannon get himself back into that first team? Does he knock out Store? If it's Walker, Walker. Does he knock out his own teammate, Domas? Does he knock out Domas? Yeah. 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 Um, so that's a big one for me. And then the coaches usually are going to go with guys like Coleman and Rick Mass and all that. I'm wondering, like, does the media get rink masked? Coleman Hawkins, Barnheiser, the love that I, I think they deserve over some guys who are putting up numbers but on, on not very good teams. So uh, that's what I'm always interested to see is, is how much some of these media actually watch a lot of these games. I try to have a Big Ten game on every night just so I just yeah. so I know what's happening and I get to see these guys in action. But I know that's, that's hard uh, for a lot of people. So um, I think there's going to be a, a long honorable mention list. Like, I'm interested to see, like, yeah. This honorable mention list could be longer than it usually goes because you need usually two votes to get honorable mention. Um, so I think it's going to be a lot longer. There could be 10, 15 guys on that list this year. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And it, it's, it reminds me of the AP poll because people go crazy about, you know. A loss that week, right? This AP voter put this team here and this it's those AP voters. And it's, I'm, not, I'm not saying this as a slight to AP voters. There is no way you can watch all 25 of those teams throughout the course of the week. Oh, I would hate to be an AP voter. I, yeah, I would so. I would absolutely hate Like, the guys who are in the studio watching all these games, those are the ones who should be voting for it because they yeah. they watch all these games. I, I, I don't have time to do that. No, I'm covering and, one and, team. Yeah, and then you have you know probably some AP voters, and again, no slight to them because I know they can't watch all those games, You know, putting together their poll and going, okay, what did this team do this week? Oh, they're two and zero. Oh. Okay, or what this team do? Oh, they just dropped their last game, and I think there's probably going to be some of that by the end of the Big Ten season, where it's like, what, are, what were this guy's numbers? Like that's why a Kanye Cleary could sneak onto the third team. That's why, you know, a, yep. a Dawson Garcia could be a second team. You know, it's just those things happen. But you know, you hope that the you know, the people that have watched the majority of the conference are the ones that kind of absorb most of those votes but it doesn't kind of doesn't typically work out that way I was trying to think of the guys I don't have on this list that I had in my all Big Ten preseason which was top 10 Julian Reese we didn't put on here um yeah I had AJ Hogard on my list I love him but like they just don't have the shooting around him that they did you know with with uh who might think Hauser last year and then Cliff Omori is not on that list because Rutgers is so bad and doesn't have much. He just hasn't gotten a lot better. He's he's a really good player and he's good at what he does. He just hasn't gotten a lot better. And with Cliff and and Reese, I mean, if Maryland is eight and three right now, yeah, is Reese more of a conversation on third team? If Rutgers is somewhere in the top half of the Big Ten, does does Cliff sneak on there? I mean, a lot of it comes down to or it should come down to yeah. to your team's success as well. 
All right, Mike, that was a, that was a fun exercise. It wasn't easy, yeah. but uh, it was fun to, to talk through that stuff. I appreciate you as always, man. We'll catch up next week. Yeah, man. Sounds good. Great stuff from Michael Tulip. Always appreciate his time. If you want more from Mike, he breaks down the video uh, in our Michael Tulip's film room. He breaks down the final four minutes. What happened during that game uh, that forced that game in overtime and Mike points out some ways that that game could have potentially been lost before even hit overtime. So we dive into that. Go check that out. If you're a VIP member, I'm telling you, VIP access is worth it just for Michael Tulip and Jay Lehman's film rooms. I've been saying that on and on. But if you don't believe me, now is a great time to sign up because we have 60% off sale going on through Wednesday night. It's more than $70 in savings if you're not a VIP member already. Uh, I'm working on my 2025 Alana Football Recruiting Big Board. We'll break that down. We'll have that coming out on Wednesday as signing day is here for 2024 signing day in February is just not the same anymore with the transfer portal there's an urgency by a lot of these high school prospects to sign during December uh, and that early signing period is just that's taken over it feels like almost 80 to 90 percent of division one but even more at the power four level Um, it seems like 95 percent of those prospects are signed by December but it's a it's a good time to kind of turn the page to the class of 2025 which Illinois has obviously started and I'll have a big breakdown of that uh, at Illini Inquirer so you can check that out on the VIP side of things thank you as always for listening to the Illini Inquirer podcast give us a follow rating review wherever you get your podcast you can check out most of our podcasts on YouTube as well if you prefer that method I love uh, listening to my podcast on, on YouTube so if you want to check it out that way you can see that on our YouTube channel Illini Inquirer and uh, hit the subscribe button hit the notifications bell the like button we appreciate all the support on that side of things as well. Everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Alana Inquirer podcast. Bye everybody. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the Shy? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the a new rain is coming to the South Side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes May 10th. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply.